Hello, and welcome to Joy Christian Community Church. Each week we strive to bring you Bible-based, Christ-centered teaching so that you will grow alive, deep, and bold in the love and knowledge of Jesus. And now, here's Pastor Clayton with this week's message. Today is the last Sunday of Advent. It's gone fast. So far, our themes have been hope, preparation, rejoice, and now today is assurance. Those, this is the theme for today, assurance. Assurance is a tough word to grasp, especially in our current age and culture. I mean, if you take a look at the news media, where, yeah, right, where, where do you have assurance? It's not from the left, it's not from the right. We don't even know what the middle is anymore. And there are a lot of headlines that say, so-and-so destroyed, so-and-so threw down, so-and-so uh, demolished, devastated, smashed. I mean, you've seen these as headlines, right? And then if you read or listen to the video, if you click on it, it's, you expect a bloodbath of some sort. In the terms of advertising, it's called clickbait. They just want you to click on that or view it or read it. So you are drawn into it. The trouble is, we get into that and we kind of go, well, what's true? Isn't isn't that it? I mean, we become more and more skeptical of the news and we think, what can I trust? Now, this skepticism both infects and affects not only our culture, it infects and affects our faith our faith in Christ Jesus. People wonder, well, well, you know, what should I believe? Well, there's the Bible, but a lot of people say, well, there are books that come out, like the Da Vinci Code came out a while ago, and then there's this one called The Shack, and well, maybe that's true. Or they don't even read the book, they just watch a Hollywood movie, which is like a bad movie of a bad book. And they think, well, maybe that's true. I don't, I don't even know anymore. And so they throw up their hands and say, can I ever know what is true? Can I ever really have faith anymore in Christ Jesus? And because people are more and more infected and affected by skepticism, they have no assurance of faith. It's just not there. So therefore this morning, I want us to take a look anew at the Gospel of Luke. Luke uh, was not an original apostle or disciple of Jesus. Rather, he was a companion with Paul, and he traveled extensively with Paul. And he wrote the Gospel according to Luke and also the book of Acts. Those two books together comprise about a quarter of the New Testament So we owe a lot to Luke regarding our faith and assurance. Now, if you want to know the whole purpose of the Gospel of Luke, it's found in the very beginning. If you've got your Bibles, you can open it up. Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all of these things closely for some time past, 
to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty the things you have been taught. That's the purpose of the gospel according to Luke and the book of Acts that you may have certainty. Luke says, I was there. I traveled with the, the apostles, the disciples. I knew them. I covered the history about it. Remember John in, his, in, the first, in our reading from 1 John? I was there. I saw. I touched. I heard. He repeats that over and over again. Luke says, I traveled. I witnessed. And I interviewed all of these eyewitnesses so that you may have certainty. The way he writes, it's very matter-of-fact. It's almost in kind of a dry tone also. There's no clickbait here. Do you notice that? Most excellent Theophilus, I'm going to tell you a story of Jesus who threw down the devil and destroyed death. And it's not that, is it? Just kind of lays it straight out. So today, a day of assurance, let's go into the Gospel of Luke. So we find, first of all, that Luke talks about a political and economic time. He sets the gospel and the birth of Jesus in a political and economic time frame. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So Luke starts with Caesar Augustus. Augustus was one of the greatest statesmen of Rome. Up until that time, Augustus, which means revered, by the way, up until that time, all the Caesars were considered gods. Augustus, Caesar Augustus said, no, I don't want to be considered a god. As a matter of fact, he allowed other people, other religions, other cultures to practice their own faith, their own culture, as much as they wanted, as long as it didn't interfere with the Roman authorities, the Roman laws. In fact, he did something that today would have been outlandish. He made adultery a crime. He also encouraged the arts and wanted to really lift up literature. Now, as wonderful as he was, he was still uh, ruthless in his rise to power, and he was a pagan, but his entire reign was known by something as Pax Romana, which is the peace of Rome. Little did he know the prince of peace of the entire world would be born during that time. Now, Augustus was a methodical man, and he was a good administrator. And as we know, every government needs what? Money, taxes. I hear that there's a partial government shutdown. I don't know if they've st stopped taking our money, though. No, no. no? right? <laughs> Governments still need money to run. So he was a good administrator, and every 14 years or so, there would be a census, a registration, to make sure that taxes were being properly paid. So when we talk about the whole world, 
It means the Roman world, and it was a big empire. That's what Luke is referring to. And in those days, also probably, probably and most likely referred then to Herod the Great. Now, you might be thinking, is this just a history lesson? No, it's not. The thing is, Luke has given many, many historical facts, markers, in which we can say this was when Jesus was born. The thing that makes Christianity different than other religions is this. Christianity is based on historical events that happened in time, in specific locations, with real people. We can easily determine the reign of Caesar Augustus. We can also cross-reference Herod the Great. And there are other markers in there. Some are a little bit more difficult. We don't know exactly the year the census took place. And there are some other harder things. But when you take a look at everything that Luke has written, all of these facts come together that say Jesus was born during this time. You see, this is important because a lot of people will say Jesus is a myth. Have you come across those folks? You might come across those folks in your life that Jesus is just a myth and that he was a, that his, the story of Jesus was borrowed from other mythical gods. For example, there's one called Horus. Now, you find this on the internet a lot. You can find a lot of stuff on the internet. Horus supposedly was born on December 25th of a virgin, had 12 apostles, and so on. I mean, there's a lot of things. And people will say then, well, Horus came first, and therefore Jesus was just made into a god based on Horus. Real historians just laugh this off. Do you know why they laugh it off? because there are no facts whatsoever. People just make this stuff up. As a matter of fact, you will get people say, oh, you Christians, you celebrate on a fake holiday anyway, December 25th. Here's what you can do. You can go, you're right. We don't know the exact date when Jesus was born. This is when we celebrate it. But do you remember... Uh, about Caesar Augustus and the census he had in Pax Romana, Romana. Do you remember about Caesar Augustus, Herod the Great, and the other things? They'll probably just look like deer in the headlight when you say that. <coughs> Doesn't shake my faith when people say he wasn't born on December 25th. I go, yeah, so that's when we celebrate it. Okay, Jesus was born in a very specific political and economic time frame. He was also born in a specific geography and lineage. Verse 3 through 5, And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of a house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, Luke gives some very specific markers here about prophecies, and he boils them down a lot regarding the geography and lineage. So let's explore those a little bit. Bethlehem. What's interesting to notice, and if you were in Bible study this past fall, we covered this, 
Bethlehem means something. The word Beth means house. You've heard of churches called Bethel? Bethel Church? Beth means house. E-L is the Hebrew word for God. So when you see Bethel Church, it means house of God. Now, Beth is house. And here we have Lehem, which means bread. So you can put this together, right? Jesus was born in the city of the house of bread. Does that ring any bells for you? It should a little bit because who is Jesus known as? He is also known as the bread of life. So we start to tie some things together here regarding where he was born and his lineage. And Bethlehem, by the way, was about five miles south of Jerusalem. So it was very close, and it was sometimes called the city Bethlehem Ephrathath, which is from our reading, um, and it's to distinguish from another Bethlehem, Bethlehem of Zebulun. So there were specific prophecies told 700 years earlier by the prophet Micah. Here's what Micah wrote. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for, for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brother shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. That was written 700 years earlier regarding Jesus and where he would be born and who he would be. You have to understand, by the time of Bethlehem here, Bethlehem was a very small village. There really wasn't much to it. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Nazareth. Nazareth wasn't very big. Bethlehem wasn't at all. It wasn't where you would expect a Messiah to be born, right? Not from Nazareth and certainly not from Bethlehem. That would be like saying there's going to be a savior from strawberry, now, I'm not picking on strawberry, by the way. It's a really nice place. The alliteration just works really well, and it's fairly close to here. But a savior from strawberry. What Micah is saying is that people viewed Bethlehem as this out-of-the-way place, inconsequential, not worth even thinking about. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, who are too little among the clans of Judah, look, the one who people don't even think about. That's where the Savior's going to be born. Now, another fact, by the way, is that David was from Bethlehem. David was born and raised there. It was in the fields around the town that he tended his sheep. And for a long time, his relatives, his family, had a festival, a yearly festival there. And it is most likely that the family records were kept in that town. Why is that important? Because remember, Joseph and Mary had to go back to be registered. They had to go back to the town, the area where the records were for 
the census. So this all ties in. Another fact, David, the youngest of the brothers, he would become the shepherd king of Israel. That's the title he was known by. He was the shepherd king of Israel. And who is Jesus known by? Jesus is the king shepherd of the world. You see how this is tying in together here? Jeremiah 23, 5 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. This is Jesus, born in Bethlehem. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 and 13. If you haven't done that, go back to that. Read about the prophecy, the foretelling of who Jesus is. So Bethlehem also, one other, I'm just going to, we're going to fact after fact after fact. Jesus, uh, Bethlehem was about five miles away from Jerusalem, and they had a lot of sheep there. During Passover, they would have needed lambs for the Passover meal in Jerusalem. It is likely that Bethlehem supplied the Passover lamb for Jerusalem. And who is Jesus? He is the Lamb of God. All of these things just regarding Bethlehem and David. Now, some people say, well, no, you're just adding that after the fact. Look, I've given you prophecy, several prophecies here that were told hundreds of years in advance. So, I mean, when you were born, did you get to pick where your parents gave birth to you? Anybody? Did you get to pick your family lineage? Some of you are like, well, I wish I could have, but I didn't. But you didn't get a chance to pick when you were born, where you were born, who your family is, none of that. Jesus didn't get that. These are facts that you can actually go back to. See, skepticism and atheism and everybody else tries to keep hammering and hammering and hammering upon the word of God, but the word of God does not break. Their hammer breaks. Okay, so now let's go to his birth. His birth. See, one of the dangers, by the way, for us today and many Christians is that we want to take the birth of Jesus and put it into a nostalgic type mode. And we've added a lot of different stories and things around it. So today I wanted to give you a little quiz. It's in your handout, by the way. If you've got your sermon notes, there are several questions in there. I'm going to give you some statements. And I want you to think to yourself, well, is it fact? Is it a story? Is it a combination of fact and story? Or do we simply not know? Are you ready? I'm not going to ask for your answers or raising hands. We'll just go through it here. The first one is Mary rode 90 miles on a donkey to Bethlehem. Hmm, fact, story, combination. I mean, you see all the movies, right? She's riding this donkey, all the pictures. Well, the thing is, Nazareth to uh, Bethlehem was about 90 miles. So that's accurate. And it would have taken four to five days, or depending, it was longer. Did she actually ride a donkey? We don't know. We don't know. This is what it says. 
And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Ta-da. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to ruin some of Christmas for you, right? Okay. It was late at night when they tried to get a room in the inn, and the innkeeper was rude. Look, whole sermons have been written and given about this innkeeper, right? There was no innkeeper. It's not ever mentioned. All it says, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. That's it. All right, let's do another one. Mary gave birth the evening they arrived. You're starting to catch on here a little bit, right? We just don't know. We don't know. Uh, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. That, That was it. I mean, that's as much as we know. How about this one? Jesus was born in a stable outside of town by the fields and near the shepherds. This one is simply unknown. We don't know exactly where they stayed. And this will be a sign for you. This Luke chapter 2, verse 12, a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger, lying in a manger. Um, The best we can conjecture here is that there was a caravansary, caravansary. And it was a place, a rather crude lodging place where caravans of people could come and they could put their animals in the lower level down below and the upper level uh, would have been some rooms at least where they could have stayed, nothing fancy. So the best conjecture is that they were maybe in the lower level with the animals. We do know that. All right, this one. The star that was shining in the east was called the Star of David. It just says star. Now, we do have a, uh, a reference from Revelation twenty two sixteen. It says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Okay, one more. The names of the three kings were, who traveled on camel to visit Jesus the night of his birth were Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. And that one, how many people have done we three kings of Orient, right? And we, yeah, the thing is, uh, they weren't kings, they were wise men, and we have no idea how many there were. We say three because what were the gifts? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we have put this on that there were three. But what it says here, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And that's from Matthew chapter two. So the thing about all this is I'm not trying to ruin Christmas, not at all. I'm trying to say, what does the word of God tell you, tell us? And we stand firmly upon the word of God. 
So when you get people who say, well, there weren't any wise men, you can go, I mean, there, were, there weren't three kings. You can go, yeah, I know. I mean, you're not swayed by all the other skepticism and people who are trying to take you away from your faith. And by the way, here's the picture you should have of the birth of Christ. It was an ordinary human birth. It was painful. They were in a place that was foreign to them. It was messy, smelly, cows around them. It was not a Hollywood version of a birth. It happened in a real place, in real time, with real people. This is the birth of Christ. You see, the plainness of Luke's narrative doesn't give us fuzzy, warm feelings. But the fuzzy, warm feelings, and I know this from talking to enough people, the fuzzy, warm feelings that everybody wants don't sustain you during times of trial and tribulation, times of pain and despair. It is the assurance that we have of Christ coming in the world, of living a perfect life, of dying for our sins. That's where we find assurance. We find assurance in the word of God that you may have certainty concerning the things that have been taught. Stand firm, brothers and sisters in Christ, in your faith. Grow deep in the word of God. Grow bold, standing, saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel. That is the word for today. Amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com. God's peace and joy in Christ Jesus be with you.